Hi everyone, welcome back to Hitchcock University where you learn filmmaking from the masters. This class session, we're gonna finish off our Kill Bill uh, class session. Um, this is our, our, our second part. Um, and this time we're gonna talk about storytelling. Um, we're gonna kind of dive into the storytelling of, uh, of Kill Bill. Because Quentin is such a good storyteller and he's such, so good at structuring things one of the most interesting things that Quentin did in this movie, and I, I, I believe this is a technique he has carried with him ever since, is he didn't write a script. He doesn't like the script format and the, the limitations of it. He, he basically just wrote a novel. He wrote Kill Bill the novel. And even to the point of writing things on the page because they would fit on the page, uh, or, or they, 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 they felt right on the page, even though he had no intention of actually shooting them. Um, <laughs> but it read well on the page and he enjoyed that. Um, and then he'd get on set and he would adapt it. And, and, and that was when he realized kind of the flaw in his logic of, oh goodness, every day I have to adapt my own story into a movie now. But it kept him a lot freer when he was writing. And the issue was he didn't realize how much of a movie he really had. He didn't really realize that he had a four-hour movie on his hands. He was he was kind of hoping it would take about oh you know an hour and a half to kind of get everything set up, and then it and and then he could wrap up the story in an hour. He didn't realize that what he really had was about an hour fifty of setup, and then two hours and ten, two hours of fifteen of story to tell. But what it allowed him to do. Um, once he decided to split it up into two movies, was it allowed him to play with the structure again? It allowed him to to give us answers first. Well, actually, questions first and then answers. Um, you know, he kind of breaks it down that volume one is the questions and then volume two is the answers. Or volume one sets up the mythology of the story of the bride, of Bill, of of the 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 Deadly Viper Squad, of of all this stuff, and then. In volume two, you actually get the story. In fact, my understanding is that when volume one came out, there was kind of a, it was kind of polarizing. There were some people who were like, oh, this is really fun. Quentin's back. And then there were other people that were like, yeah, but I like Quentin's dialogue. I like his stories. I like, and, and there's just not that much there because there really isn't. But once you get volume two, then you kind of start rewatching volume one in your head as it's happening. So, um, which is nice. Um, you know, so volume one gives you all the setup and then volume two is the story where you get to dive deeper into the characters and you get to have all of these things happen and and the story really takes place. But the interesting part of that is volume one is massive in scale and there was no way he was going to top that. I mean, especially with the House of Blue Leaf sequence where the bride takes on the crazy 88. So instead, volume two... His goal was to top it emotionally, to br to give you the most emotional scenes for these characters and present them in a way that now that we've seen where they come from, now we know where they get to go and put them in situations that would be powerful for the audience from an emotional appeal, which in part is part of the reason that I think, at least for me and for many others that I know personally, on the initial viewing of Kill, viewing of Kill Bill Volume Two, the uh, the ending seems anticlimactic because you're ready for a big House of Blue Leaves style fight, and you don't get that. But what you do get is this emo. And but when you watch it again, knowing what to expect, 
you understand that it is the emotional climax of the film. And what, what Tarantino wanted to do was take a revenge story, a revenge film, and just boil it down to the basics, which is really what he did. There's not a lot of fat to this movie, even though it's long, and especially not to volume one, <laughs> which is really boiled down just to basics. I mean, it's Quentin, so things get protracted. Um, nothing's nothing's easy in a Tarantino movie. It, it, everything kind of moves along at a Tarantino pace. But when you look at it, there's not a lot of fat on the bone It's or fat on the meat. It's just very not minimalistic because nothing Tarantino does is ever minimalistic. It's all over the top, but it is very uh, straightforward in a sense. And because it is, and because it's also a Tarantino film, he doesn't answer all of your questions because you don't really need the answers to all these questions. Like for example, as he says in, in the book, Quentin, Quentin Tarantino interviews in the interview, Quentin Tarantino reveals almost everything that inspired Kill Bill It's a ridiculously long title. He says, I'm very much a believer that if you're creating your own universe and your own mythology, you can have answers. You can have questions unanswered for the audience. You just need to know the answers. As in you, the storyteller. I can tell you the whole story of of Hattori Hanzo, of how Hattori Hanzo ended up in Okinawa and why he didn't make a sword for 30 years and who the bald guy is. I don't have to tell you this. You can figure it out. You can make up your own things, you as the viewer that time. And that's such an interesting idea that you don't have to spoon feed the audience. You don't have to give them all of the information. So long as the story makes sense, they don't need the backstory on every character. They don't need any of that. Just keep telling the story. All that matters is this is this character. This is where they're at. This is how, it's, this is how they're important to the story and move on. We don't need to know why Hattori Hanzo is the way he is at this point. We just need to know that he's a great swordsman and he hasn't made a sword for 30 years and there's something that happened between him and Bill and that's enough motivation for him to make a sword again for for the bride. That's it. That's all you need to know. Now, the other interesting thing about Tarantino is he sh- he shares this in common with Alfred Hitchcock in that he's not satisfied with keeping tone the same. And I think this might be one of his best examples of that. Um, again, in the Quentin Tarantino reviews, almost every, or reveals almost everything that inspired Kill Bill. He says, all my movies are funny, but I also want to go up and down, up and down. I want you to laugh, 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 and then stop you laughing and show you something else. Maybe you start crying, then, then get you laughing again. I just want to constantly keep moving. If I'm watching a movie and I'm going from laughing to crying, that's me having a good time. I'm being jerked around emotionally, and it's great. Okay. Tarantino's not satisfied with making with making films that don't move you in some way. He is a storyteller at heart, and the 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 power of storytelling is the ability to to suck in an audience and take them on a ride, mo- hopefully emotionally. Even if, the, even if it's just holding them in suspense, it doesn't have to make them cry. Like, that's not the crux of, of what I mean by, by, by taking a, an audience on, a, on an emotional ride. It's not that they have to be up and down, up and down, up and down. It's, it's about the fact that they're not settled in one emotional state. They can be happy, they can be sad, they can be fearful, they can be whatever. That's the important part. 
you want the audience to come out of your movie and say, wow, wasn't that fun in some way, you know, even if it's not fun, fun, like they, I can really relate to this because these are the kinds of movies that I want to watch. I don't want to watch movies that don't move me in some way. I've gotten to a point where I've seen enough movies. If I'm watching a movie, I want a story that's going to move me in some way, whether it moves me to laughter, whether it moves me to tears, whether it moves me to fear for my life, whatever. I want a movie that's going to move me. I want a movie that's going to make me think, make me feel, make me engage with it in some way. And that's what Quentin is trying to do as a storyteller. And I think we all can learn from that. You got to keep the audience engaged somehow. So that's, that's it. That's it. We covered Kill Bill. We're all done. Um, next up, we're going to do Sin City. They're going to do Planet Terror. They're going to do Death Proof. Um, yeah, and, and, and that's all I got for this class session. If you like what you're listening to, um, you know what to do. Give us a like, comment, rating, review, whatever. Where, wherever it is you listen to the show, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, whatever. Um, you know, and, uh, and, and, and you guys already know about the, the, the Hitchcock University YouTube channel where I've got my Robert Rodriguez experiments up there and other things. Um, you can subscribe there or you can just follow us on Hitchcock University Facebook page or, uh, or uh, follow at Hitch underscore U as in university on Twitter. Um, or, you know, you can always just reach out to the podcast. Uh, uh, you can send us an email uh, at our address, uh, HitchcockUniversity at gmail.com, all lowercase. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you guys know. You've been listening long enough, most of you, I imagine. Um, but yeah, that's all we have for this class session. Um, thank you all for listening to Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the masters, like Quentin Tarantino. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you again in two weeks. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>